Hello, and welcome to Media Monsters, now streaming on Monsters Plus. I'm Nick, and I am joined by... Hello, I'm Duran. And, and I'm Jim. Yeah! And welcome to our episode on uh, Netflix going into the can. But before uh, we, we start on why Netflix is kind of garbage now, we gotta, we gotta know what we're watching, because that's just an integral part of the show now. Duran, what have you been watching, bud? I have been on a bit of a Mario Bava binge. He is a um, Italian director, mostly known for uh, Jello movies, but he's worked a lot in a lot of different genres as well. So I watched. Did you watch uh, Game... Planet of the Vampires? I've not watched Planet of the Vampires yet, but Fool. I definitely will get to that because that sounds awesome. But I watched Danger Dalibalik, which was great. It's uh, the only good comic book movie. All right, the it's only based good. on a comic. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. But I'm pretty sure that it's based on a comic. Interesting. Um, That's pretty good. Also, A Bay of Blood, The Girl Who Knew Too Much, and I think I mentioned Kidnapped last time, which was pretty good. And I also watched uh, Black God, White Devil, which was great. That's been on my list, like, forever. It's about this poor Brazilian guy in, like, I think the early 20th century who rebels against, like, basically a slave master. But um, then he gets kind of lost in, like, religious radicalism. It's pretty interesting. And then is it I also set, watched... Is it set in America? Hmm? No, it's set in Brazil. It's a Brazilian film. Oh, yeah, it's wait. by um. Yeah, yeah. Who's hmm? it by? By uh, Glabachar Rocha. He's uh, one of the big like Brazilian cinema novo directors, and he's known a lot for like his. Um... He's associated a lot with like the third cinema movement. Uh, like coming out with like Baccarat and and all that. Or is that no? That's or is that that's, later. That's later. So oh. third cinema was this thing. It was this, originally this article written by. Um, these two Brazilian, or not Brazilian, Latin American filmmakers, Solanas and Gatino, which was talking about, they, they wanted to create this thing called a third cinema, which would be rebelling against first cinema, which is commercial, and second cinema, which is artistic, and third would be, like, wholly, like, political. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty okay. pretty interesting that in that regard, yeah. yeah. Um, All right. Jim, what have you been watching? I actually caught up on The Flash, and I caught up on Lincoln Lawyer. I'm not, speaking of Netflix and things like that, I hope that there's going to be a season two of Lincoln Lawyer because it, it, it's a, it seems like a really kind of sincere show. Uh, the, the main actor on there is very, very likable. I tried watching The Boys season three, and I just kind of, I don't know, I kind of lost interest in The Boys. But I did get to the movies. I saw uh, Top Gun Maverick, and, and um, it, it has a lot of flavor of the first one without being, you know, recapping the whole first movie too much. You know, it really kept me engaged the entire time, which is hard to do in a in a world where I could turn on and turn off a movie and at any time at home. So I'm, I'm glad that it kept my, my attention the whole movie. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that one. I mean, it's like kind of a terrible movie, I'm not going to lie. But I mentioned that in the last podcast, just like the, the real planes being shot on a film looked amazing. Like all the dogfights the maneuvers they looked they looked amazing on the big screen yeah well, one of the things that uh, i wanted to do is i wanted to find one of those theaters that had uh the really wide screen or something you know i, I happened to wait long enough that it was just the only thing playing was just a regular a quote, regular version of the movie but you know with the dog fights you know i i wanted to see that in something 
you know, like a special screen, but I didn't get around to doing it fast enough or I don't know where it was playing that way. I don't know of a theater that that actually plays that format. Like I just the 270 like wraparound thing. I don't know of any mm-hmm. theater that actually plays that. Yeah, I mean, so, they're, like, I don't, I don't, for I like, all we know, like it's hard enough to find an IMAX it. theater sometimes, let alone let alone one right. of these. Right, and what they probably, you know, who knows? They could have uh, actually compromised and, you know, basically shrunk down the main screen to give themselves the ability to go that wide on two other screens. I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I, unless you're in some special area like L.A., New York, something yeah, like that, really, you're really probably populated not going to see area. those screens. Right, exactly. Those damn coastal elites and their cool movie theaters. <laughs> hey, you guys have been going to AFI and stuff like that, so. And no, that's have, true. I, I have the air and space about. IMAX, yeah. one of the one of the only like real IMAXs. Hell yeah. Yeah, that screen yeah. is incredible. If only I, I basically open. live at AFI, so I can't complain. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. It's closed, right? <laughs> it Six is. Months or so. Yeah. Right. Hopefully, it'll be back open soon. Um, it's funny you Nick, say that. What about... have you been watching? It's funny you say that about the boys, because that's like the only kind of tv show i've been watching since our last episode the boys might just be the best show on television right now and it's not even on television but that well you know the theme of the episode um on a screen near you yeah but i don't know man the the boys reminded me how good it was like through this season because i really lost interest after diabolical because that was not great but yeah, I don't know. I did that. And then I think I had mentioned I, I watched episode four on the last podcast. Oh, yes. We call that Star Wars. But anyway, um, <laughs> I've been watching one of those every night. And I have come to realize that Return of the Jedi is a terrible movie. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first I mean, act I would is, argue that the for, first for act all is Star Wars movies. But <laughs> yeah, now, shut shut up, man. <laughs> the first act is like some of the best Star Wars content ever, while the second and third acts are really boring and are only carried by the Luke and Emperor stuff. And literally nothing else happens in those second and third acts. Uh, like uh, the Ewoks are fine as a concept, but they don't do anything. Nick, and I think that's... you just hate the Viet Cong. Let's be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure. I, I also realized how much of a step up in production quality there was from four to five that I hadn't noticed at all oh, before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My lord. <laughs> I I don't know how I didn't notice it, but it is really, really noticeable back to back. Well, there's two things that kind of play into that. Number one, you know, he didn't. Tripling have money the budget. The first... Yeah. Yeah. He didn't have money for that. And number two, that was a, a golden age for technology. You know, and he was he was creating a lot of that technology, but you know, the miniaturization of of chips and stuff like that it really helped create better computers to do everything that he was looking to do, uh, such as the the, the movement of um, of the ships being controlled by computer and everything, so that he could repeat the actions over and over and over again and composite so many different layers. Right, right, and then. As for the prequels, episode one, I have a very complicated, this is probably the best of the prequel relationship with, uh, it's, I think it might be the best one. I need to see episode three tonight, but it's, it's just not a good movie still. Like even with the elements that I'm like, yeah, this is kind of cool. This, it's just not a good movie. We all knew this. I'm not going to dwell on it any longer. Episode two, I wish that movie made me feel any kind of emotion at all. (laughs) I wish that movie was never made. 
If, if, as Roger Ebert once said, the movies are a machine that generates empathy, Attack of the Clones is a machine that generates apathy. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. It's just, it's, it's, oh my, like, just nothing redeemable. Just nothing, like, outside of, like, the design work, which was not George, there's, it's such a bad movie. Yeah. Uh, Jim, it's, it's, it's often the forgotten movie. Yeah. Jim, you were talking about the technologies that were developed, um, like special effects technologies for Star Wars. And I was reading in this book, um, Easy Riders, Raging Bulls, which is about like the 70s New Hollywood movement that actually like Lucas hated most of the work that ILM was doing for the original Star Wars. He thought that like most of it was like a waste of money and like not working at all until kind of like the, like, the very last minute while, while everything kind of came together. So I'm, I'd, I'd be curious to see. Like, he also hated Empire actual... Strikes Back when it first came out. Right, which right. says a lot about Lucas. Well, this is yeah. this is also the person who famously said, you know, people shouldn't go back and colorize movies. People shouldn't go back and redo or enhance their movies. And then the next thing he did was go back and make like the special editions and stuff like that. So That's you know, true. you get you know, let him put something on screen and just ignore the hell out of the rest of what he does. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. At the same time, though, like I, I kind of like, I, I, I kind of question his artistic ability, uh, specifically like his like filmmaking ability, because I feel like the the best yeah, parts of Star so Wars many people aren't really like, attributed been, to him. Yeah. All like, there's so many people that have been kind of credited after the fact for the success of Star Wars that like, it it is really hard for me to like. Well, he is support Lucas at this point. Yeah. He is the the for the most part, you know, he set himself up pretty much as the figurehead, you know, the Walt Disney but of the Star Wars brand. You know, he he set it up and then yeah, his name was still attached to it forevermore. But, you know, I think that you're right. I think it's Irving Kirshner um who wrote Empire who, you know, it, it's mainly I his think that was a contribution that made it. That was a Kasdan script. But, Sorry, you're right. You're but right. he directed it, it and yeah, like yeah. That being that being said, though, like I mean, you have to give Lucas credit for um, his business mindset because, um, well, like it, I mean, he had, he had the incredible foresight to, huh? It fell into his lap. No toy company actually wanted the the licensing rights. If is that what you're going to mention? I assume. Yeah. Well, that's because um, at that time, like merchandising wasn't considered to be profitable at all, really. Not even like for like Star Wars specifically, just like the the whole concept. Yeah. So like he, he he like really had the foresight to to like push that and like ask for like points on the project uh, instead of like taking like a large like salary and that kind of thing. So yeah, um, yeah. I think I like mean... from a, and especially like if you consider his his actions after like the original movie came out and like the way that he made his empire. Like I mean, I think he's like foremost a businessman rather than an artist for sure. I mean, that's the, <laughs> that's how you get on top, really. As for Top Gun, I keep saying that I'm going to go see Top Gun. Um, my parents just got back after a trip, and I told them I was going to see Top Gun with them, so I can finally see Top Gun. And I think by the next episode, I will have seen Top Gun. Have I said the word Top Gun enough? <laughs> this will be like the third or fourth episode that we talk about Top Gun. <laughs> and like the 200th, we talk about Star Wars. Yes. This is the last time we will ever mention Star Wars in the podcast. No, it'll it's never not. happen again. No, it's not. <laughs> never. <laughs> Never. Oh yeah, I was watching Star Wars Resistance too, but that's you know not the first time. So. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> All right, time to time to get into the meat of this, boys. Time to talk about Netflix. 
it's going it's going bad it's going rotten yes I, yes i like they're not gonna been, die um, they're not gonna completely like go away i don't know duran go ahead so I was interested in doing this topic for a little while now, but especially after the recent stock Netflix stock crash, um, which of course is like contextualized by the, the greater like tech crash, which was happening recently. I thought it'd be, it'd be interesting to kind of look at critically Netflix in the streaming age. So the thing is, Netflix is uh, shifting their business model now due to that crash. Um, one of the big issues that they were facing was this thing of like, constant growth um so like all tech companies have this expectation in like the marketplace to consistently grow to the point where it's it's not really realistic for a lot of companies because you know like once you've grown to a certain point once you have you know let's say every single person on earth um as like a subscriber to your service or whatever not really much you can do from there but of course like uh like Netflix like main Netflix's main selling point was like their platform and it didn't really matter like how much money they they like dumped and like burned into this thing they would keep getting like new investments because I mean the numbers were working for them and and we saw like during the the height of the pandemic like um subscriptions to Netflix like skyrocketed but yeah. but now it's, it's like and that was a weird double-edged sword because it wasn't like Good projects did come out of this. I mean, I know I know you have your gripes, but you can't just tell me that Roma and the Irishman weren't good movies. Yeah, so I, I mean, yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone would say that like Netflix had like no good projects. I mean, I would, I would definitely argue that for the amount of money they put in, the amount of like actual good stuff is is very very small, but I mean, that's even like besides the point. I think what's what's interesting that's happening now is they 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 started talking to the press after after this crash and they said that one of the main things they're going to cut are like so-called quote-unquote vanity projects. So basically like auteur-driven films or series by like a certain like writer, filmmaker or whatever. Um, and instead they're going to focus on more of like their their big budget series. A lot of their like independent smaller budget studios are actually getting like, I think, cut entirely if I, if I remember correctly. So wow. does this mean we're not going to see any more Adam Sandler movies that are horrible to start with? Oh, uh, no. I, because those movies uh, probably cost a lot of money to make because like Sandler, like notoriously his like budgets are like what, like $50 million, even more than that. And like you watch them and you're like, this is a money laundering scheme. Like no, oh, yeah. none of this money has actually gone into production. They're all yeah. just it's, like going all of them. The all of them people. are just an excuse for him and his friends to go on vacation. It's, uh, it's exactly. The, exactly. The age yeah, old there, saying there about Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, there was that one over in Italy a couple of years ago. I'm like, are they telling the story here? Or are they just spending money to and putting murder, it on film? Was that murder yeah. party or whatever? Uh, I don't know. I, I know. Damn. So I looked it up. Ridiculous Six was the second original film that they had made after Beasts of No Nation. That's really funny. <laughs> Which is, that's that's such a wildly different, like, thing to swing between for your original films. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Like they started out doing like, um, I think I forget who said this. They were they were having trouble like breaking breaking into like the art market, but now like they're making like the biggest films ever, like like Bird Box and and Red Notice movies that people have actually watched. Dude, um, oh, can can we get into that? Can we get into like how many Netflix movies just don't feel like real movies? Yeah, I mean, like I think Red Notice is a great example. I I haven't. I was watched gonna say it. I think. I think Nick was triggered by Red Notice. <laughs> I, yeah. I no, hate I was, that movie. Like, it's not real. I was real. also extremely triggered this by isn't, Red Notice. It's, 
it doesn't exist. You can't prove to me that this exists. This is an AI-generated film. I don't believe yeah. you when you tell me that Red Notice is real. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the, the like, backgrounds look, like, completely fake. Like, it, like, looks like, a, like, like, three idiots standing in front of, like, a green screen. It looks completely terrible. But the budget's, like, $200 million. Who even directed that movie? I, I don't know. A robot, definitely. <sighs> um, but, like, I mean, so I know, like, when that came out, um, of course, like, people in, in our communities were, like, clowning on it. But it apparently did very well. I think it was one of the biggest films that Netflix has released, according to their funky way that they count numbers. And we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But, like, so yeah, I mean, has anyone actually thought of Red Notice after the week it came out? Probably not. Uh, uh, and, I mean, I mean like, apparently someone well, is, because they're making a sequel. <laughs> yeah, I was right. going to say, you just brought it up again, so yeah, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, but I mean, in the context, uh, I brought up in the context of, like, it's kind of irrelevancy. So, like, what I, what I found interesting about that is how this movie needs to probably get a lot done to, to make up its production costs. I mean, it's, what, $200 million or so? Yeah, um, that's what it like, says here. Yeah, the way that, that Netflix counts streams... It's similar to how um, internet data harvesters slash like advertisers count like clicks and that kind of thing. Um, and I think one of the we're, we're seeing with this crash that there's not really a great correlation between um, data slash like internet advertising views, that kind of thing, and, and profit. The idea initially for those was that, you know, once we, we, we give people all these free services and in return, like they gave us all of their data, either consensually or non-consensually. Um, and then we can use this data to like sell to other companies so they can sell them products. But the reality is that this is actually not a very profitable business model. I mean, of course, it, it makes a lot of money, but not enough to sustain like the entire internet economy. And I think that with the stock crash, we're seeing kind of the the, the cracks being to show. Yeah, I mean... There's, there's like just, like, so too. much they've done wrong with, with how much they've been spending. And, and you know, you, yeah. you mentioned these vanity projects, and it's, like, who, like, the thing is, like, I, I bet a lot of the, like, auteur-driven vanity projects didn't cost that much. I mean, I, I, The Irishman was probably the one that cost the most. But, like, yeah. who is this guy that made Red Notice? Ronson Marshall Thurber. Like, who... <laughs> why did you give this man 200 million dollars well i mean it's a classic like you know give I think a it's no the name of somebody's dog they just put in there exactly yeah well it's a classic like give like a nobody director a, a billion dollars and have them make a movie that makes a billion but yeah i think that like th there are very few auteur driven netflix films that uh had like a big budget now like the irishman did i think white noise is having like a ridiculous budget now like there's like all these like weird set what the hell is even on. white noise it's um, it's the Noah Boombach adaptation of the Don DeLeo book. Oh, okay. All yeah. Right. Um, well, like, and like, I know that they were having problems with um that like Andrew Jominic Marilyn Monroe movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I I can't imagine that must have cost a lot. But probably not. It's worth mentioning their original series, and we 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 have kind of talked about this before on the podcast. How like you know they always cancel them after three seasons, but. The ones that they choose to spend money on, and I'm thinking very specifically of Stranger Things, and how I guess every episode this season had like a $30 million budget, which is more than Game of Thrones had in its final season. 
Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, like, budgets everywhere are, are kind of, like, ballooning. I don't really know why. I, I wish I knew someone that was more educated in, like, the economics of, of filmmaking to, to tell me. But, yeah, I mean, we're seeing that with uh, also the Lord of the Rings Amazon series, too. I think oh, like yeah, that, they, a billion dollars for the first season or something. Is it like a billion? I know, I know, it was a billion, number. but I don't know if it was like for the first season or if it was for like yeah, the first I think three or something. I heard it was like five hundred million for the first season, but I mean, even even if it's like five hundred million still, or whatever, that's, still that's insane. It's I mean, that's that's more than like like the most expensive movies ever made, like Avengers Endgame and like Pirates of the Caribbean three. Like those are both like I think like four hundred million or so. This uh is is Netflix even worth having anymore? I think, you know, I think that it's very cyclical, and I it depends on the person and what their interests are. Um, I've come and gone with Netflix several, several times, you know, and what brought me back this time was Stranger Things Season 4 coming back, and then I started looking around and going, yeah, I'll watch that. I'll watch that. Great. And next thing I know, you know, Netflix is, again, the, the channel that I'm going to more often than paramount plus or you know the cw or hulu or something like that and after a couple of weeks i'll probably go back to one of the other streaming services you know or go watch kenobi or something like that so you know at that time i'm i'm on a on the disney plus app instead of on uh on on netflix i think, I think that netflix that... netflix was the tool that got us away from you know broadcast uh broadcast and cable television it led the charge it's yeah, respectable where for nothing that, was but... nothing was on demand everything was just you know fed to us and they were the first ones to break that that recipe that doesn't mean that they have to be around forever it's just that they were the first yeah, yeah i think that's that's a really good point because i was about to mention that there's so many other services now that you really don't need to be subscribed to netflix to like get like the the content that you want i guess unless there's like something specific that netflix has i mean you could you could like make it with like a paramount whatever subscription or hulu or or whatever i mean it just well, depends on, on on really like what 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 you want specifically like as a consumer and i think also the um their pricing is, is gonna start driving a lot of people away oh yeah um, oh it's and also ridiculous. like ridiculous it's like what twenty dollars a month now I think so, yeah. And also, I, like, I thought the, it was close slower... to sixteen ninety nine, unless you go to four K. And also, like the slower rollout of content, which which we're seeing now, that's going to happen soon, is probably going to drive more people away rather than like bring them on. I think the problem for them now is that you know their their model was so good, the streaming model was so like good, so convenient that I mean now like every like studio that has like a like two dollars can can like put something up. In like 10 minutes and and have like a, a subscription service i mean yeah. like there's what like hundreds of them now I, I oh no yeah idea. i mean well that's that's like you were saying like you don't need to be subscribed to netflix anymore like you can just there's so many niche little like streaming services that'll have like specifically horror or specifically art house or specifically you know mm -hmm. anime or you know just just whatever and you can just subscribe to that and just leave netflix be because there's I don't know, like, other than Stranger Things, I hadn't watched anything on Netflix since, like, I don't even know, since maybe Stranger one of their Things. original <laughs> movies, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even for, like, quote-unquote normal people, people that, like, don't obsess over movies like we do, um, I, I, I don't think that they even necessarily need it, uh, unless, like, they're trying to watch whatever's, like, trending on Twitter right now or something. Well, and I, I think that other 
services are not necessarily looking for quantity. They're looking for quality. Uh, a lot of people who have gone to Apple Plus, initially when people when Apple Plus came out, they're like, why do I want this? What What is the purpose of why? Why is this company getting into this? And it was a matter of, you know, let's do fewer but higher quality. You know, whereas Amazon is, I'm sorry, Amazon, Netflix is drinking from the fire hose. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I know, like, for, for my case, I, I haven't really needed it for a long time. Though I did I did recently, like, binge Seinfeld on there. Um, <laughs> though, like, you know. Did but I really like, need I, Netflix for that? Probably not. I don't know what the last show that I watched on Netflix was. Maybe, like, JoJo's? But, like, yeah, that's probably there, something there... I don't even need Netflix for. Like, that's probably on somewhere else. And it, that yeah. just, like, goes to the point of, like, why does everybody still have Netflix? And I think I, it's a carryover and, like, a conveniency kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, well, if, that's, that's if what you just they want rely to, like, on. Grow... They rely on people just letting the subscription roll over and then, you know, whatever yeah. trending mm -hmm. thing comes out, you can then watch it and then, you know, there's... Yeah, they looked at it, their debit card statement, and they go, There's oh, six months there's worth Netflix of payments. still on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, if you look at other streaming services, specifically like audio streaming services, uh, you know, they all say, oh, we've got this tens of millions of songs. And, you know, if you look at company A, B, and C, they all probably have the same, let's say it's 60 million songs. I'll bet you 58 of those 60 million are the same across multiple companies. So, you know, you go to company A, B, or C, not because of 99% of their catalog, but because of the 1% exclusives. True. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but like, I don't know. Netflix has like really had a hard time drawing, I don't know, me specifically in with what their kind of originals were besides like, you know, stuff that I had already been watching. Like, I don't think I've been invested in like a new Netflix thing in years. I think the problem is also the how quick the the cycle the media cycle is for a lot of these things they put out there there's like very few streaming shows in general but but i think specifically for for netflix shows that have like staying power and i think that the um their model of like dumping all their episodes at once can also is like a it's like a factor in that as well yeah it's it's been interesting comparing it to how other streaming services go about it because like when disney plus decided that they were doing weekly releases i was i was you know originally begrudging i was like come on give it to me all at once but I think I prefer spacing out episodes just so that, you know, everybody can catch up and everybody can, like, talk about it and, you know, dissect it a little bit. Yeah, because, we, yeah. you know, just this week I was talking to somebody and they we were talking about Lincoln Lawyer and they, you know, we had to stop talking about it because we weren't at the same place. Whereas, you know, if you talk about Kenobi, well, everybody's most likely at you know, episode four right now, you know, or if you're, or if you're talking about, you know, whatever, you know, everybody's waiting for the next episode. Yeah. It's the return it's of water Netflix. cooler TV, which is like, I don't exactly. know. I think that's a great thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can still watch it whenever you want, but you know, everybody's on the same episode. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if you, um, if you get like left behind or whatever, then it's very unlikely you ever kind of, you'll ever catch up and then like 17 other shows will come out and you'll be stuck trying to watch those too. So I think it's inter it'd be interesting to compare uh, Netflix's approach to contents like five, seven years ago and, and how we got to here where they're, they're like definitely slowing down the amount and focusing on like more, more big budget stuff. So like, 
when they started out like they were releasing what they considered to be like art movies like i think nick you mentioned that their first film was beast of no nation right yeah yeah um so like i mean that was taking a shot with like a you know a, 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 like an up-and-coming auteur but was that fukunaga <laughs> yes yes <laughs> the less we say about that right now the better <laughs> yeah rest in peace Kerry fukunaga so like they they were definitely trying to go for that prestige markets Oh, for um, sure. I remember when that came out and how, how like, kind of a big deal that it was that, like, Netflix had released something like this. Yeah, it, it was, like, a it was like a whole kind of, like, cultural shift. Because I know that, like, they had, they, had a big, they had big trouble at Cannes for a long time. Like, Cannes refused to show a lot of their movies because they weren't playing in theaters. I know, like, um, like Okja got, like, shut out because of that. But now, like, it's 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 pretty normal for, for movies to be released only on streaming or to have, like, very, like, small, limited theater things just for award season and to get nominated for, like, a million things. But I think, like, kind of ironically, they never really did well at the Oscars, uh, which is what they were really going for. Um, yeah, they, they they would have like a big movie every year. Like 2018 was like Roma, and 2019 was Irishman. Dude, it's so funny that Apple TV got a got an Oscar before them. Yeah, it's yeah, for, so for, funny for for another fake movie, Coda, that does not exist. <laughs> um, what do you mean it doesn't exist? No, I just I it's I don't just know another one of those movies Coda. where like a lot of people are just like, is this real? Is like, do people watch this? Yeah. No, I, I I refuse to watch that movie. Uh, I, I'm ideologically against that movie. So, so hold on. Let's break that down a little bit because I I have seen Coda, and I think Nick you saw Coda, and I, I thought it was a really nice movie. And I'm kind of surprised that you would balk about the movie without even seeing it and say, calling it a fake movie. Now, granted, yes, this movie was sold at something like. It wasn't can. What's uh, the, the? It was a Sundance film. Yeah. It was a yeah. It's a Sundance movie that was sold to Apple at Sundance. You know, uh, but it's a really good movie. You know, and and I was very reluctant to watch it, but once I watched it, I've watched it probably twice now, and I think I I re- cried probably both times, even though I knew what was coming, and and you know I, a lot of people have been impacted by that movie, and it tells a very good story. It's not necessarily a story where you didn't see the end coming, but you know, I would, I wouldn't just say, oh, it's a fake movie, it's a bought movie. You know, maybe they bought the award, but it, it's still a good movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have like, I don't have like a huge problem with it. Well, okay, I take that back. I do have a huge problem with it. The, the problem I have with it is that it seems very much like it, it feels like a Sundance movie. It feels kind of like a, a movie designed to like win awards. I, obviously, like I haven't seen it, so I'm not I'm not going to like rail on it too much. But I, I was mostly bringing like, that up. It's, it's just another it's another Oscar season, like social issue drama. And there's just so many of those. And it just like it's hard to feel like those movies are something substantial and real when so many of those just get flooded at you that time of year yeah when i was joking when i was saying it's like not a real movie i meant just because like it didn't really stand out to me compared to like all the other kind of like oscar bait movies that that i've seen and, and i'm aware of but i mean like you know I, it could be a great movie i, I don't know I haven't, I haven't watched it <laughs> but anyway what was i saying before i don't remember oh, yeah. uh, so like comparing Netflix. it to yeah yeah so um yeah you mentioned how like coda like won, won the oscar whereas like you know netflix has been struggling too for all that time never really managed to. And I think that that was maybe like one of their turning points where they, they kind of like look, looked at themselves and said, all right, why are we spending, why are we giving like 
Alfonso Cuaron and 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 uh, Martin Scorsese like hundreds of millions of dollars and like you know they're not they're not giving us our our damn awards in return. We we deserve these awards. We we've, we've worked hard for these. We put in billions of dollars into these movies. And I think that like that was kind of the last time because I know that like uh, at the beginning, a lot, um, streaming had a lot of critics saying that oh like uh, most of this money just going to go to like these like terrible kind of like content projects um, and like art quote unquote art movies or people that want to like do something interesting or kind of be like shut down with the conversation. And for a while, that was actually not true since since there was this uh, this like small window for to be fair already established artists to get like some interesting work done throughout through this model. But now I think the 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 problem is uh, more recently a lot of filmmakers I know like David Cronenberg, Ken Loach, even like David Lynch all we're all talking about how a lot of like their projects have been uh shunned or canceled or like just gone yeah, gone they nowhere. Were, um, they were all like right before this all happened and then Yeah. Uh, that's that sucks so much with especially yeah. with David Lynch. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's no like official confirmation of that, but it seems like that's that's likely canceled, whatever that project was going to be. And, and so it seems like Netflix is like moving away from their strategy of going for the awards while simultaneously like pumping out those big budget movies like uh, Michael Bay's like Sick Underground or Red Notice or Bird Box or whatever. I watched um, 10 minutes now... of Six Underground. That is a fake movie. That <laughs> is a fake movie. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. And now they're just fully going back into the blockbuster direction. Yeah, it, it's just, it leaves so much to be desired, but, like, what does that mean for future Netflix stuff? Those... You know, if, if I were Netflix, um, what I would do is I would take my user interface, which I hate their user interface, and it's better on some systems than others. At least it's not others. Primes. And, and, well, that's correct, too. But I would start with their user interface and bring it several generations newer and i would also take their catalog and fill out the catalog uh with stuff that's missing you know you go and look for you know movie xyz and it says oh you mean this yeah we don't have this so we're going to show you these other things netflix oftentimes is like going to the red box expecting to find the blockbuster and oftentimes finding the knockoff in the red box that's right yeah that's the thing is like but now that all these companies have streaming services, they can't get any of those movies anymore. Like, they're all... They've all been... Like, all of the good movies that you would want to see on Netflix are now being snatched up by all of these studios that now have streaming services. Right. In so the past, like, yeah, Netflix like, could, like, afford the rights to these things, like, like Friends or, or whatever. But now, like... Or, like, The Office would be, like, a big example. But now, like... The Office has its own streaming service called Peacock now. No, it's called The <laughs> Office Plus, and you can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, my bad. So yeah, like there, I mean, companies have, have seen like the Netflix model succeeding, and they thought, you know, I mean, we could get a two hundred million dollar check from Netflix, or we could make a billion dollars off people streaming The Office. Yeah, and it does make me wonder, like, who is uh, who is doing this the best now? I... Well, do you do you think that what we're going to see is um, an on-off switch on a lot of these streaming services? Well, Meaning I know that, Netflix okay. has one. It has like a channel that you can just turn on and like yeah, like yeah, something meaning, will play. Meaning, okay, this month Stranger Things just came out for season four. Okay, maybe I'll turn on Netflix this month, watch it, and then turn it off after the month. They're hoping oh, that no, you forget to turn never, it back off again. They'll never, and then, they'll never you know, make that easy. They're never yeah. going to make that easy. 
because well, the they only way they make money. money. Yeah, I mean, the only way they make money is like like They're... you guys were saying before, people forgetting right. to like unsubscribe. But I I think that you're going to see a change in in the user base saying, you know, I'm not going to keep Netflix going because now um uh, now the, the now the game is over on Disney Plus or now the game is you know whatever I want to watch is over on uh you know one of the other streaming services Paramount or Peacock or whoever you know so I I think that you know ultimately people are going to jump around but what I would really like to see and this is what I was going to say earlier is you know what I don't care what channel what movie X Y or Z is on. I may jump on and say, let's say, I want to watch the new Ghostbusters. I don't care if it's on Peacock. I don't care if it's on Paramount. I don't care if it's on Hulu, Netflix, whatever. Just give me a search box at the, I just at the beginning of movie. my user yeah. interface and let me let it get out of my freaking way so I can watch what I want to watch right now. That's the you thing. Know? There needs to be some sort of like conglomerate service like, like Just Watch, but as an app. That you can yeah. just like click and like it'll it'll take you to it because like I was talking I was talking about this with my parents like they have this problem where like they can't keep track of all of the things that are on all these different streaming platforms and they'll yeah. they'll be like I, I do what have even an app is on... Peaky Blinders on Netflix is it on Paramount exactly where do we go exactly well you know there is an app called WatchAid and um, that exists on iOS and on the Apple TV. But even that's got limitations. It's kind of clunky. It, it it's just one guy in his in his house keeping that app up to date. But and all the power to him. He does a pretty good job for just being one person. But you know, and, and even the Apple uh, the Apple TV, not Apple TV Plus, but the Apple TV app does some of that. But guess what's missing yeah, from the Apple TV search box? Netflix. It cannot look at Netflix. So they need to improve their relationship that's between really the funny. two companies. Yeah, they yeah. just. I mean, it, the companies have absolutely no incentive to do that, so I don't think that we're gonna we're gonna ever see it. I mean, their 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 incentive is to, you know, maintain their their exclusive so that people will stay subscribed to their platform because you know they don't want what what you were suggesting, Jim, like people to subscribe for like one month or just like coast out the free trial and then cancel. They want like those consistent subscriptions. Yeah, I mean, I think the the other idea though is kind of. A necessary thing that is going to have to happen i think for for you know you have all these streaming services and like people are going to have a lot of streaming services and they're just there needs to be some way to organize all this stuff like yeah. like people are just going to get too fed up like this needs to become a service if it's not yeah, yeah we're, like we're the ones drinking from the fire hose and we want and we don't want a fire hose we want a waiter who's coming over and handing us our, our fine meal. Which is, yeah. uh, you know, it'll probably I, I, I just, I don't really see a feasible thing, but I don't really see a feasible way of that happening though. I mean, you're not going to be could. able to see like, um, coordination from, from all of these like different corporations, especially like for something that will directly, uh, lead to like less revenue for them. Uh, Believe it or I, not, I that, was, be... that was, as somebody who was a, a TiVo subscriber, for probably two decades, that was the benefit of TiVo. I loved being able to go in and put in the name of a TV show. I didn't care what channel it was on, and I could go badoop badoop and get rid of the ads. And I could even put in keywords and say, you know what? Anytime something describes Star Wars, it would just go and grab that TV show or that movie. 
you know, and if, if TiVo can't survive from having a hardware product, okay, let them come back as a, as a software product that shows up on different user interfaces and people will probably pay, you know, $2.99, $3.99 a month just to have TiVo go out and grab what they want, like a, a waiter that'll go and grab their favorite meal and bring it right to them. Well, I don't know if you guys could, like, I agree. I agree that, like, from a user convenience um, viewpoint, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't, think you guys, I, I don't think you guys are looking at this from, like, a corporate one. No, like, I, I get what you're saying. Like, corporations wouldn't ever want to... to play nice with each other but like some of these things just come out of necessity like even yeah. even if there are corporate differences like eventually users like aren't going to be able to figure this out i think like it is well, going think, to get to that point well i think that the the oversaturation um and like this like confusion all that kind of thing will probably lead to some kind of a maybe small bubble burst leading to a bigger bubble burst at some points but honestly i think that like you know, everything going to shit is a much more likely scenario than like all these corporations coming together and forming like medical service. I think this is going to come out of it going to shit. I don't think yeah, yeah it, it's not going to happen until everything just just implodes upon itself and nobody can find anything and we're all paying for a hundred subscription services. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and and that's that's a good point too, because I you know, recently had a problem with a credit card for Amazon, for Amazon Prime. And I'm like, you know, if once they've gotten their money for the year and it's time to re-up, I'm probably not going to re-up for the Prime service, which is not only just the TV, but it's also getting me, you know, my packages for two days or whatever. Well, you know, that's where Amazon Smart is bundling that yeah. with, with uh, two-day shipping. <laughs> right, right. Now, you know, there's other services that I don't really worry about because you know, I buy a computer and, and I'm going to have another couple of months free Apple TV plus, you know, and I do that stuff often enough for that. So I don't really worry about that. But, you know, uh, it gets very, you know, very expensive very quickly when you go, oh, I need Peacock plus, I need Paramount plus, I need Disney plus, I need yada, 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 yada. And next thing you know, you know, remember that $65 we were complaining about a couple of years ago to get 65 channels on on comcast you know i i didn't want to pay that money because i was mad that i had to have channels in a language i didn't speak or some religious channels and some uh shopping channels that i didn't want i had to see those and i felt like i was paying for those so i don't want to give comcast all that money i want to have what i want well that's our answer that's why we ended up with things like netflix now it's coming back and biting us in the butt yeah, I think you make a great point. A lot of people are comparing the the streaming uh, wasteland right now to it's the new like, cable. Yeah, the new the new cable because like you mm -hmm. know you're you're paying for all this this like I mean you, you don't want to watch probably like ninety percent of the content on Netflix or whatever. So then that's why you subscribe to Peacock or Paramount or whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, I think that uh, as we as we wrap up, it would be interesting if we start to look at um, where you guys think. Um, where, where do we go from here? So like this shift in Netflix um, and like the streaming world, what, what, what do you guys think is going to come next? I, I there's definitely going to be a bubble burst. And I mean, we like this is kind of what it already is, is like this is them realizing that they can't spend that much money on this much stuff, but it's going to come even bigger. It's going to come with the reckoning of, you know, <laughs> 
show budgets going down. It's probably going to come with some of their original movies going down besides outside of, you know, Red Notice 2 or whatever the hell. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Bird Box 3. Yeah, and it's, I just, I can't imagine what Netflix is going to be left with after that. That's the thing is like we were we and, were crapping on Red Notice this whole episode so it's it's just like <laughs> what like I don't want to stay at Netflix because you have Red Notice like that's We got to not... do a Red Notice episode Nick to get all our feelings out on Red Notice. Okay, can, can I ask either of you watch Red Notice? Hell no. No. No way. I did. I did. <laughs> and Nick, I tried and I tried to get you to watch Red Notice and I thought it was a lot of fun. It was, you know, don't think it's just eye candy. Listen, when um, you said yeah, they... when you said he started humming the Indiana Jones theme, I was I was out. Are you man. serious? I was <laughs> Come out, on. man. Come on! Oh my you god! Know, we we all know, you know, you, you can't watch a movie with that stars The Rock and Gal Gadot. You're Gado, right. You can't. You can't. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I, I never want to watch a movie starring Gal Gadot in Ryan, my life ever again. <laughs> Gal Gadot, The Rock, and Ryan Reynolds. Come oh. on, it's all tongue in cheek. The, the the fact that they got it greenlit by somebody was pretty damn tongue in cheek to start with. But you know, it's just fun on the screen. I actually enjoyed uh, this. Is but gonna, would you? But would you keep a I, Netflix subscription for this movie? No, no. But you know what? I paid. I paid for the Jungle Cruise movie, and I waited and waited and waited for the Jungle Cruise movie. You know what? I like Red Notice more than I like the Jungle Cruise movie that I paid to buy. That's that's pretty damning. <laughs> Who fake movies? <laughs> and you know what? And they're making you know at least two more Jungle Cruise movies, and I'd rather see Are two they? more Red Notice movies. I didn't hear yep. that. Oh no! Why? <laughs> oh yeah, no they 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 said that right off the get go. They had already set up a, a piece of land that was. There was this huge piece of land where the boat travels through for all the scenes. Yeah, yeah, it it's ready to go for you know Jungle Cruise two and three. D- I did it make its money back? Like I, I didn't think that movie was that successful. Like that's why this well, is kind of coming as a shock to me. It it was a successful movie on the you know Disney's Premier oh, Plus service or yeah. whatever they called it. Well, by like so, you know. Some some weird statistic says that this movie is like has yeah, been well, fake stats. It was it was people <laughs> like me who said, you know what, I really am not comfortable with going back into the theaters, but for twenty bucks, I can sit down with a couple other family members and we can watch this movie as many times as we want for the next twenty four hours. I was fine with that because I wasn't ready to go back to the movie theater, and I had been waiting for that movie for years. And unfortunately, it just didn't, it didn't, you know, come out very well, uh, as far as I'm concerned. You know, it went off the tracks when they started getting supernatural. Which is weird, because I think that's where Pirates of the Caribbean succeeded. You know, pray for that, pray for that Haunted Mansion movie. Why didn't you just give this to Del Toro? Mm -hmm. Anyway, Netflix. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so Mm -hmm. what I was saying was, I think that we're also going to see, like, the effects that this is going to have on on the film industry itself. I know a lot lot of people have been comparing, like, this moment to the release of Heaven's Gate, which kind of, like, is the, like, end piece to the uh, the whole, like, new Hollywood movement. What led to, like, the end of the auteur-lit films and into, like, the blockbuster era, which we still are in right now. Um, Hey, Duran, can I stop you for a second? What's up? This is the second time you've referenced Heaven's Gate, and I'm not sure what that is, because all I think is David Koresh and, and the Heaven's Gate cult. What is Heaven's Gate? 
So Heaven's Gate's a, a 1980 movie directed by Michael Cimino. Cimino, yeah. It, it's a um, it's a Western film that I don't know, like four hours long, and had like this huge budget. And it's credited with with ending the uh, auteur driven films from the New Hollywood era because it was like this huge flop when it came out, and its budget like ballooned, and it made like none of its money back. And so like after after that movie, like a lot of studios turned away from so-called like art filmmakers or like filmmakers that had like a vision mm-hmm. and, and just kind of like and and it led to the uh, the era we're in right now which is the the so-called blockbuster era which was foreshadowed by like jaws and star wars etc and so i'm i'm a lot of people have been have been saying comparing like this moment to uh like the heaven's gate release uh saying that like the the cracks are beginning to show in this in this model and i think that the so not only like netflix and streaming is never reckoning but also like the film industry as a whole since basically like all of the film industry's eggs are in the streaming basket right now there really like isn't much else besides that um except if you're like uh disney but even you know even they have like a significant stake in streaming you're telling me red notice is the modern heaven's gate it is it is (laughs) so my take on this is is i feel like netflix is the college freshman who uh went into the student union saw all these tables of credit card companies offering credit cards and getting the free bag of M&Ms or the backpack or whatever it is. And they signed up for all these credit cards. Over the next couple of years, they racked up a, you know, a lot, big, big credit card debt. Now all of a sudden they've uh, graduated from college and all that debt's coming due. And, you know, so yeah, now they got to think about, okay, I got I, I to gotta cut out some of the things that I've been spending money on and I got to get serious about paying paying the bills now. You but know? think about that that um, like metaphor in, in in the context of like basically every single film company. Netflix was definitely probably like the worst offender when it came to that. But they're You're saying like every streamer one. is going to kind of be like this. Yeah, um, and like also the 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 production houses that that make like content for streaming, they're all like caught in this in this like huge in this huge bubble. So like when stuff gets uh, goes to shit like from the top level like the the Netflix and the streaming level then it's gonna kind of like trickle down to the uh, you know all the all the production companies like like Hollywood and and everyone yeah. there. I mean, um, what I th- what I think net uh, like every other streaming service, most every other streaming service at this point, what they have that Netflix doesn't have is established content like you know you can go to hbo max for dc you can go to disney for marvel i think a lot of like hesitation with netflix is that like they don't really have brand names like there's there's nothing really on there and i think that's what they're kind of realizing is like they need to make something that has a cultural impact because no one really cares about their stuff that much yeah unfortunately like they're they're suffering from like not having this permanent ip from like start to finish i mean like you know they tried doing that with like house of cards and origins of new black or whatever but i mean those shows Mm -hmm. like you know went down pretty quickly i mean right now like obviously the biggest one is like stranger things and like that's been around for um, a pretty pretty long time now for like netflix history but well they they can't really those shows has had each of those shows was successful and had their run and now they're done so that doesn't mean that netflix shouldn't be constantly looking for ip but you know what what you were saying is that they've been throwing money you know at, at left right and center and not enough things have stick uh, stuck and just you know they need to look for you know better quality than quantity they need Zack oh. Snyder's Star Wars 
Oh no. Rebel oh, no, Moon no. baby, it's on the way. Oh god. <laughs> is that is that going to be a Netflix thing? Yeah, it is. I think this is oh, like one yeah. of their one of their last like, you know, super big budget movies before this all comes like tumbling down. I'm I'm sorry, but like I I I cannot believe they gave Ryan Johnson 500 million dollars to do a Knives Out series. Like are you kidding me? <laughs> Between the two of them, he the so 250 for for each. Well, I think that so the deal for like the rights for uh, Knives Out was like oh, four sixty nine, wow. I think. Wow, yeah. it's not isn't it like insane? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, the movie's great and it it did decently at the box office, but it's not like a billion dollar property. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> like, what are you thinking with that one, man? Yeah, I mean, I think that we're we're approaching the end of at least the Netflix era of like throwing millions of dollars at like whatever. Though I think that like you know. A lot of other companies are still going to continue to do that. Like Amazon definitely will. I'm sure like they'll spend like hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in, in like their their big future products just because, like, you know, they have that much capital. No, I you know what? I would say if if there's another streaming service that's going to go through what Netflix is going through next, it would be it would be Prawn. I think yeah. that, you know, they they again, not a great user interface. You know, it, it's got some gaping holes in their catalog, you know, uh, and there's also, you know, a lot of times I'm like, oh, no, Prime has this. And I go to click on it and it says, wait a second, they're going to charge me for this. But they tell me that they have it, you know, so it, it's oh, not. I hate that. I hate that so much yeah. that they'll they'll show you that they have something. And then since it doesn't have a little Prime, you got to pay for it. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, if Netflix straightens up and flies right if if they learn something from this i think that amazon needs to follow suit next yeah i mean they have the money to back it up i actually i really like uh prime's back catalog funnily enough there's a lot of movies on there like i wouldn't i wouldn't expect there is a lot of there is a lot of interesting stuff on there but like yeah but i mean like the user interface though yeah also like i don't i don't care about like any of the original content like none of it uh, i don't think matters to me at all yeah i mean the boys is pretty much like the only thing they really have that's kind of made a made a impact on anything and i guess there's been there's been a few like yeah miss myself like all the like the mom tv show reacher (laughs) the mom tv shows that's a dad tv oh yeah jack they have jack reacher they got mom and mom and pop tv shows jack reacher that that is actually my favorite tv show you've never seen an episode of that i've never i've never seen an episode of I, i just i i'm obsessed with office gym pretending to be an operator it's so funny to me. I, I gotta see Thirteen Hours, man. That movie. That that movie's gotta be amazing. All right. With with that, I think it's time to wrap this episode up. Thank you guys for uh, for being here. Is there anything else that we want to get on get on the table before we go? Dream Red Notice right now, <laughs> so that we can our next episode. Right. Our next episode watch. is gonna be Red Notice. Red Notice Watch Party. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> it's gonna be red notice and coda <laughs> <laughs> let's do it all right thank you guys so much for being here thank you for uh, another another great week of conversation uh until next time goodbye see you hey guys have a good week <laughs> <laughs>